welcome back to Gin welcome Topic. Back to welcome Gin back to Gin and Topic. If you've forgotten, I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And we drink gin. And we don't know anything. <laughs> but it's okay, because we've got a load more experts. We've got some really cool topics, and we're going to find out about them. Yeah, while drinking gin. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So, this week, yes, we are talking to Mandy Tembo. Brilliant. And she is from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Okay. But she's based in Zimbabwe. Oh, cool. And so we are going to be talking to her from Zimbabwe. Um, And she is a PhD research fellow and she's working on menstrual health and hygiene interventions as part of a wider sexual and reproductive health programme for young people. Oh, that is brilliant. That's all things I like to hear. And she um, does a a blog, I think it is, if I remember rightly. Uh, It's a virtual platform called The Bleed Read. Nice! And so she's doing all stuff about menstrual health and hygiene about around young women mm-hmm. in Zimbabwe. So we are going to spend this episode talking about periods. Good! Mm-hmm. So what do we know about... Oh, no, well, hang on a second. What's our question? What is our question? So our question is, why are periods so bloody important? Oh, I like that. Well done. That's good. So why are periods so bloody important? What do we know about periods? I'm really interested in periods, not just because I have them. Well, mainly because I have them, but because I lift weights. You wouldn't think it to look at me, Mm -hmm. but I do. What's the connection? Well, your period plays a massive part in your exercising and how strong you feel. So I know that the few days before my period and the first few days into my period... I'm shit. I can barely lift anything just because of the hormone spikes and how I'm feeling. I didn't know that. See, I've Mm -hmm. learned something already. There you go. So I keep a track of mine so that I know when the best days are going to be for me to take a rest day around then, focus on cardio or yoga instead, when I know I'm going to be in pain because that's all linked, you know, your hormones and getting ready for your period. But also I have to factor in the fact that I'm on the pill and therefore that changes my periods. So I find it all really interesting. That is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so is that knowledge, that knowledge isn't just from having periods. You've obviously found out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I follow a lot of um, sort of female PTs and stuff who talk about it because it is really important. And obviously you need to eat more when you're on your period because you're automatically burning more because you're just, you're doing a thing. Your body's doing a thing. So that's really interesting. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone ever talked about anything like that when I had periods because of oh, course no. I don't have them anymore. You don't have them anymore. No. no. <laughs> so I can remember the days when I had them and mm-hmm. what they were like, but I don't have them anymore. anymore. Yeah. Instead, mm-hmm. I just have hot flashes. Oh, the Jack Jack. lovely. <laughs> well, I never had, it wasn't really talked about. I mean, in school you learn the cycle, but you yeah. don't know anything to do with, you know, how that actually can affect your body at no, all. No, totally. I've never really been taught mm-hmm. much yeah. and certainly not knowing things about how it might affect <laughs> your physical performance of weightlifting. Yeah, it's true. And what I also do know and I think relevant to Mandy Tembo is that, of course, attitudes towards periods mm-hmm. is very different mm-hmm. worldwide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, we our privilege as as always Mm -hmm. um and therefore can afford 
yeah. things mm-hmm. to help with periods. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that can't. Yeah, massive amounts of people who can't. And also we're in a society where, to an extent, they can be talked about. There are certain times when it's not, I mean, nobody was in high school going, actually, you really need to let me go to blue because I'm bleeding through my pants right now. That was never going to be a conversation. But I can say to you, Sarah, I feel like shit today and I'm going to cry over everything because I'm on my period and it is that point in my cycle. And yesterday I did. I cried over there not being a fork and it actually made me really sad. Because as we record this, you're welcome, Ben. I'm on my period. <laughs> and it's, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're talking about it, but mm. um, it's never, I've never been encouraged to talk about it no. because no. you just don't. And especially yeah. not with the male between <laughs> Oh, no, no, not to the males. <laughs> and because of the thought that it will make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and actually... Why should you not talk about something just because it's going to make somebody feel uncomfortable when it is something that happens every month? Every month. Do you want to know my favourite period fact? Yeah. So, stomach cramps. Do you know what can help alleviate stomach cramps? I was always told a hot water bottle. Orgasms! Oh, really? Oh, yeah. (gasps) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Isn't that a great fact? That is a great (laughs) fact. Yeah, they can help. That's brilliant. I mean, hot water bottles too. That's true, but so, also orgasms. So as well as saying, sorry, I'm feeling really shit today because I'm bleeding, you can say, I'm sorry, I'm feeling really shit today because I'm bleeding and I'm going to go and, and masturbate yeah. and that <laughs> make it all better. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can make people feel doubly really uncomfortable. uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah, it is. Right. So yeah. with it, we're going to drink gin. I'm intrigued by this because I've got, I think it's what it would look like if Shrek got drunk and then threw up the next day, but it was like mainly bile. That's what this looks like. <laughs> okay, shall I explain? Yeah. Because our yeah. listeners can't see what it <laughs> yeah. looks like. So we are having a Bombay Sapphire gin. But for everyone that's there going, I don't remember my Bombay mm-hmm. Sapphire gin looking like something that Shrek would have thrown up the, night, the day after. We have made it into a cucumber gin this mm-hmm. um which involved whizzing up the gin in a no it involves whizzing up the cucumber not the gin, uh, not the, gin. <laughs> not the, gin. the cucumber a peeled cucumber yet. peeled cucumber yeah um yeah whizzing that up putting it through a sieve mm-hmm. pouring it over gin with tonic it's and not lime. just a slice of cucumber in a gin with some lovely bits <laughs> and as you poured the cucumber syrup over the gin, no, as you poured the tonic then over everything, it sort of foamed up and has mm-hmm. left this like seaside foam around the glass. So, you ready? Let's try. I mean, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's certainly cucumbery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... I don't mind the taste at all. It's okay. I'd like, I'd like some mint in there as yeah, well. Yeah, it needs something more. It needs some mint or something. It's fine. It's quite light, quite refreshing. It's not bitty, which was my worry. <laughs> I don't like bits. When we mentioned it and you're there going, I don't want no, bits, I, like I don't want this. Um, actually, no, it isn't bitty and it's really cucumbery. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't think I would choose to go for it. No, if it was the only thing I liked on a cocktail menu list or whatever, and I was out with my girls, I'd probably drink it. But I wouldn't regularly make it because it was also quite a lot of faff to make. It was. It left a, a rather a lot of mess in the kitchen. Mm. Um, but I'm not offended by it. So there we go. We've got a cucumber gin fizz. And we're going to talk periods. And we're going to talk periods. Ta-da! Now we just need a Mandy. There she is. Hi! So, <laughs> importantly, have you got your gin? I do. So, I wasn't able to get the cucumber, which is disappointing. But I do have my gin and, you know, my eyes going and I'm ready to go. I'm not a huge gin drinker, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm willing to give it a good go. Excellent. <laughs> so we got the cucumber and we made, and we'll hold this up, we've oh, got wow. these rather green, green gins. <laughs> really green. That looks healthy, it's deceivingly so. There is a bit of a health <laughs> vibe to it. Yeah, like a green celery yeah, juice kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does have gin in it. Um, <laughs> Actually, it tastes a bit healthy. Does Maybe it? that's my issue, that it tastes a bit healthy. <laughs> that's why I don't like it too much. <laughs> it's all right. It's pretty good. But there, there's a whiff of health. We were saying that, yeah, the cucumber in it is, it, yeah, it has that healthy vibe. <laughs> yeah. It's like something at a health spa. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But also it is really refreshing. And I yeah. think we'd enjoy it much more mm. if we were with you <laughs> than in this country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very warm. I mean, a cold drink in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Is always a Perfect. good thing. That's always a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So where are we going to start? Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, it's my life's work. Oh, wow. So tell me, why why is it your life's work? So um, I have worked with young people in reproductive health research for mm-hmm. uh, maybe the past five to eight years. Um, started off, so I did my master's in the UK um, mm-hmm. and went to a really cool interactive talk about a study in South Africa about STIs. Um, and at the end of the talk, the speaker was like, you know, if anybody would love to help me over the summer with this research, that would be great. And I was like, yes, I would. And (laughs) yeah. And I just sort of, uh, stalked her for like a week or two. I was like, you know, I really want a summer project in South Africa. I'm from Zimbabwe. So it's close to home and like, you know, similar, similar environment, similar culture. So I really feel like I could, you know, um, relate with the people that I'll be working with. Um, so yeah, so I spent my, I spent my summer in South Africa, um, in Cape Town, which is amazing, possibly my favorite city in the whole world. Um, and did that study, um, and then realized that I really want to do like field research. Like I want to do work that engages with people as opposed to maybe yeah. just being in a classroom or just being in an office. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, an opportunity came to work on a PhD um, that focused on menstrual health. So I am doing my PhD on menstrual health amongst women in Zimbabwe. I'm part of a much bigger team, which is 95% women, power women, yeah. powerful women doing amazing work in Zimbabwe in HIV and STIs and youth research. And my particular yeah. focus is periods. Um, and so that's the research aspect of it. But because it was became such a big part of my life. I would talk about it with my friends 
or I'd sometimes mm. post about it on my Instagram mm. and they'll be like, what is that? What do you mean? <laughs> what is a cup? And I'm like, wait, you guys don't know this either? And they're like, no, <laughs> like, this is crazy. And I was like, wow. Okay. So clearly this like lack of information and like lack yeah. of discussion is a uh, common thing. And at the time mm. I thought it was just like, maybe it's like a sub-Saharan African thing because we're really conservative. But it's a universal thing. Like you guys just mentioned it. Like it's like you don't talk about it. You know, the first time you probably have a conversation about it is when you start your period, which is like, Mm, uh, you know, a couple of years too late. I would love to be prepared. You know, I would like to know ahead of time. Yeah. 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 And I, so what I mean, when I I say I talk about it every day, like legitimately speak about it every Every day. day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, how brilliant yeah it's awesome it's awesome and it opens you up to like different discussions right so we might have started talking about periods but then it goes into like like sexual health and like family planning and um just like oh does my vulva look is it normal for it to look like this or you know um is is period sex safe or you know like so many questions um Mm. so there's just uh so many things to discuss that you're never really going to run out of conversation topics around periods how brilliant so we're going to cover them all (laughs) every single one so i want to talk about menstrual cups because i Uh am a huge fan of the menstrual cup i love them yeah um but obviously they're not ideal for everybody Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people aren't aware of them so what's been your experience with talking to people about menstrual cups yeah, I think um, particularly within the like the Zimbabwean context, um, mm. it's something that people didn't even know about. Like they yeah. didn't know that the cup existed. Um, and when you first just like hear the term cup, they like literally think yeah. like a cup. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, no, it's not like an actual cup, guys. But it is, it, is a, it is a receptacle of sorts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're not going to call it a menstrual receptacle. Like, you can't do that. It doesn't really flow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of like, what is it? Um, and I think the biggest things that came up as barriers, particularly in our communities, was um, the concept of virginity and the menstrual cup. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, this like understanding that like virginity is essentially like, a fully like complete hymen and if you're going yeah. to insert a cup I mean they already have issues with tampons so a cup yeah. is you know a little bit bigger and goes mm-hmm. further up so they were just like nope we're not doing that and mm. you know you know it's culturally insensitive to distribute this in the community um now I'm really conscious that yeah. actually I think some of our listeners might never have heard of a cup as well mm, okay. because I mean we're we're really <laughs> into true. them yeah. for I mean I started using one I can't remember how many years ago but I know that there are tons of people that won't even know that cups are out there yeah or, or what kind of cup because there's many different there cups many as well because you got and me one you got me a moon bed. cup and that one did not work for me, but yeah, the lily cup to me either. Yeah, and then another one I got was like a flatbed. It wasn't a a round cup. It it held like a like, like a, a desk cupped hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it sort of went yeah. in and went across the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Um, which for me was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Well, to clarify, a menstrual cup. I mean, you're the expert. We should probably hand over to I know, you. I mean, I was going to be like, go ahead. Let's hear what you're going to say. <laughs> okay, so a menstrual cup is a receptacle 
that you fold up and then insert and it expands essentially and seals to the vagina wall and essentially catches everything that's coming out of you. And it is a long-term thing that you can use because you take it out when you wash it and then you use it again. So it's more sustainable. And I found that it's also really good for stomach cramps because it doesn't give me as bad stomach cramps as tampons do. But I don't yeah. know if that's just a me thing or no, a No, that's definitely thing. a thing. So, I mean, like, so oh, the cup okay. is is usually made from, like, medical grade silicone so like what people use when they're um you know in surgery and stuff like that but it also can be made of plastic but most of the cups that I know are made of silicone and they're quite soft as well um Mm -hmm. and you're right that it is a long-term thing because you can use it for at least 10 years without having to change it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and it's it's very good for like medium to heavy flow because you can Mm -hmm. wear it for up to what five to eight hours depending on your flow yeah um, and you can go to bed with it so you don't have to wake up in the middle of the night. And you can also do all the sports that you usually do um, without any issues. Um, and because mm-hmm. it does, like you said, it seals. Um, very, very, very rarely do people talk about it leaking. Um, if it yeah. does leak, it's maybe because it's over. it's been too full. But over like mm-hmm. three or four days, you can probably tell like, okay, for me, six hours is the max. Or mm-hmm. for me, eight hours is, is, is still fine. Um, and so you just take it out, you pour out the blood, you rinse it in water and you reinsert it. And then at the end of your period, like, you know, after your last day, then you'd need to sterilize it. So you can yeah. boil it in some hot water for a few minutes. You Which can is really it. fun if you're in a shared house with yes. university yes. mates yes. and you're there going, guys, I'm just going to boil my cup quickly. And everyone's yeah. like, you what now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad was like, not using my pots. That's not... <laughs> Nope. But now you can easily buy like, and I think a lot of cups come with this now. They come with like a shell that you can fill with water yeah. and you can put that in the microwave or you can mm-hmm. put, or you can like seal it and then put it in a, in a pot. So like people yeah. who are very iffy of like, oh, I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. use my kitchenware for that. There's now yeah. something that facilitates that sterilization process. Mm-hmm. But you can also put it in Milton solution, which is what you use for like baby, oh, like, yeah. like to sterilize yeah. the teats for like bottles and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. So the, yeah. So that's essentially the cup. Um, and yeah, I love it too. And like you were saying about the cramps. Mm-hmm. So tampons, like you mentioned, do have a chemical that allows mm-hmm. it to absorb the blood, mm-hmm. um, and that that chemical almost makes the uterine wall contract and that's why you feel a lot more pain because it's not naturally it's not naturally induced contraction but it's coming from the chemicals inside the tampon so there are quite a lot of people who've said that since using a cup they've had like less cramps and it it makes sense because the cup is not doing anything it's just receiving whatever the body Mm -hmm. wants to give it Mm. essentially how interesting yeah, I've seen it be like, you know, once you get to have a conversation with somebody who's used it um, mm-hmm. and have a friend or a colleague who's there to answer your questions about it, like, yeah. yo, um, I cannot feel it. Is it still, you know, yeah. like, is, yeah. is it still there? Yeah. You know? Oh, I, I did that once and I was like, hold on a minute. When was the last time? <laughs> Have I changed it? I had a complete moment of, and then I remembered, oh no, actually, hold on. I did take it out and it's not there, but I was like, just so used to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I feel like, yeah, the uptake has been, it is is very much helped by like having someone you can talk to about it. So, yeah. which is mm. why, you know, having conversations like this is so important because after this, you might have some people who will just give it a go. 
and be like, hey, have send you us your questions. Yeah, We're happy to answer yeah, them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's the thing. As you said, we don't talk about periods enough. And quite often that conversation will come maybe after you've started. And it may just be with friends. And I remember having many conversations of, oh, my God, what do I do? How do I insert things? How, how mm-hmm. do I do it? And I remember a friend of mine using an applicator. Mm-hmm. And then we all had to tell her she had to take that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, you know, and I heard that just, too. Where the application, like they walked the whole day with the applicator yeah. in because they had no. And then idea. said they were really uncomfortable, and we were like, "You don't keep that cardboard in there; you take it out." But unless we talk about yeah. that, we have no idea, mm-hmm. and it can be really scary because you're putting something inside you. Which, as when I was younger, I'm yeah. I won't lie, I used to get terrified that I would lose it. Mm-hmm. And it would go and it would float around in my body and I wouldn't be able to get it back again. And then you die of toxic shock syndrome. Yeah. I was always worried about that with tampons because they were like such big letters on the boxes yeah, and I was yeah, like, I'm going to yeah, die. Yeah. 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 That's very true. Yeah, I think the conversations need to start a lot earlier, right? I'm always, people are like, oh, when do you start talking to your kids about periods? And I'm like, it starts from when they're like two or three years old, right? And it's oh, not yeah, like yeah. you talk, you're just talking about talking to them about their bodies, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are the parts of your body called? And like, you know, what is this part for? Enough front bottoms. Use yeah. the words. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, why are you calling her vagina a kitchen? Like, like, I don't understand. You know? And that, like, sort of secrecy around body parts is why we grow up feeling like it's not um, okay yeah. to talk about our parts. And then... Sometimes yeah. I can have really adverse results, right? If you if you as a child are going through something really traumatic or something's happened to you, you feel like you can't talk about it with your parent mm-hmm. or your sibling because it's supposed to be a secret, like anything yeah, to yeah. do with down there. You don't even have the words for it, right? Like, what am I even supposed to say? So, somebody, mm-hmm. t- somebody touched me? Like, like what do I say? Because I don't even know the words for those parts of my body. Um, yeah. So I just think it's so important to start really, really early and not just with like our daughters, but with our sons as well. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, boys love talking about periods and reproduction and not even in like a like naughty way, but like they really <laughs> just want to know what is going on with you. It's like, so literally. true. I had a guy friend who was fascinated because we showed him how a tampon expands. We yeah. put it in a glass of water yeah. and we showed him and he was like, that's going on inside you. We're like, yeah, that's what it's doing. He was fascinated. <laughs> and from a point of like support, right? Like when they become yeah. men um, and become like fathers or partners or whatever, you do want them or like bosses to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, subordinates that are all women. They need to have an understanding of like, how can I facilitate a good working environment for, mm-hmm. a, you know, a uterus carrier? Like how do I make sure that our work toilets are period friendly or Mm -hmm. school toilets are period friendly. Those are things that we shouldn't have to teach people. Like everybody should be thinking that way, but they can only think that way if they start having the conversations like early on in life. I'm getting a little goosebump here again. I'm just going (laughs) to, hold on. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. Sorry. I get overexcited and then I get goosebumps (laughs) at like really powerful, like, oh my God, I agree. (sighs) Okay. Go on. And yeah, so... What other conversations should we be having about periods? I mean, we've talked about cups. We've mm-hmm. talked about the fact that we should be having those conversations earlier. So what are all those other conversations that you're having? Yeah, um, so 
I, I started with, like I said, I was saying, I started with talking about periods mm. and then about the different products. So the cup and then reusable pads. And I think mm-hmm. what I noticed is depending on where you are in the world, the conversation is for the most part similar, but maybe um, with a different focus. So you spoke about how with um, the cup, it was about, you know, the environment and not, you you know, because disposable pads take like hundreds of years to bio, to, to mm-hmm. like uh, break down. And so it's just not good for the environment, but you're not going to use that sort of sentiment as the first reason why a girl in a super low income country should start using the cup yeah. or should start mm-hmm. using reusable pads. The reasoning there is more from a sustainability front of like, this is cost effective and it yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so some stuff like that. And one big thing is the idea of choice. What I've, what I've learned more than anything is like, women just need choice and it, that choice is informed by where you are in your life because you could be in your 20s and enjoy using the cup but maybe after your 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 first baby or your second baby or whatever you're like mm-hmm. yeah I don't want anything up there that doesn't need to be up there and all <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna use is pads and that's yeah. okay right yeah. um, and um, maybe you're super active and you don't want your period to sort of stop you from going to the gym and stuff and so you want a mm-hmm. product that's going to be like leak proof um yeah and and yeah and like low yeah. maintenance and you could go through that cycle multiple times in your life and we should be mm-hmm. able to do that like I feel mm-hmm. like we should have the freedom to choose and that freedom comes from like do we have access to the products like can yeah. like are they affordable to me are they available to me and do I have the information that they even exist like who yeah. like if I didn't know me not knowing about the cup means I'm not really given full choice because there's a whole other option I didn't even know existed. And actually a choice ends up often being handed down, doesn't it? It's like, this is what your mother used, so this is what you then use. Mm -hmm. And actually, as you Mm -hmm. were talking then, I was thinking, I'd never even thought of changing what I would use because of different situations in life or different what I felt like that Mm -hmm. month. Yeah, because I, my mom, yeah, handed me pads and there was just so many things that I was like, this is inconvenient. Like if I'm mm. in a friend's home or whatever, and they don't have a sanitary bin in their bathroom, what am I doing with that pad? Like, tell me mm-hmm. where I'm supposed to put that. <laughs> yeah. um, and like, you know, coming to my coach and being like, oh, I can't like swim today because I have my period. Mm-hmm. And she's looking at me like, What? That was one that was used all the time. Oh, I used it because I hated having periods or not. I wasn't even having periods at that point, I don't think. So it was like year seven and I was like, yeah, I've got my period. I can't swim. Like, lying through your teeth, girl. You've never had one. Um, Yeah. And so, like, I got tampons from a friend and my mom Mm -hmm. found them and she was just like, can't believe you're using those. Like, I want those thrown Mm. away. And I'm just like, wow, it's because you're uncomfortable with them doesn't mean that I have to be like allow me to make my own decisions in this regard Mm -hmm. um but the other thing I was going to say is I think when we think about periods we tend to focus on like flow which is obviously a huge part of it but um I feel like people are only starting to come around to the idea that pain is a huge huge aspect of periods as well oh yeah oh Uh, yeah (laughs) and you know the, the the scale of pain and how that interrupts people's lives um and then just understanding like what is normal versus abnormal for for your body and for you um yeah. I have quite a few friends who have 
have taken nine years to be diagnosed with endometriosis and Mm -hmm. have suffered, you know, with doctors constantly telling them that like, you know, you're just sensitive, like periods are supposed to be painful. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? Or like, yeah, yeah, like don't worry about it. Just keep taking pain medication. It gets better with age. And it's just like, (sighs) wow. You know, that de like delegitimizing of someone's actual experiences can be really, yeah. really traumatic. So yeah, I think that's the other aspect is that understanding your own body can really help you. Cause then when something's a bit off, you know that it's a bit off and you're able to say, Hey, mm-hmm. maybe you need to check this out because it's not normal for me. Yeah. 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 And I think there's there's something as well of knowing what's normal for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as we were saying, you would track you track your period. I do. I track yeah. all my symptoms. I know that I am going to be particularly prone to crying for the first <laughs> day, maybe day and a bit. Sometimes I know I'm going to be in pain normally two days before. Mm. I'm really on top. What of it stage now. are we at now? We're at a good stage now. Yeah. Typically, oh, we're, good. we're we're recording Tomorrow. on the right stage. <laughs> Today, tomorrow is good. Last day sometimes is a little bit moody. Okay. So okay, I'll watch out. Watch out, one. sort of Thursday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and there are apps. So I mean, oh, yeah. but the, tons of apps. Okay, so here's my age. You know, we we you never discuss periods, you, mm-hmm. and you were never encouraged to learn anything about mm-hmm. yourself. I mean, we weren't even encouraged to masturbate. You know, you just you don't do still on. It's wrong. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. <laughs> unless you have her as a stepmother. Unless yeah. yeah. <laughs> In which case, we've been talking about periods for a very, very long and time. And menstruation. Um, I love and it. How, but I think because of growing up with, and nothing bad about my parents, just because of society yeah. and culture and the way it yeah. is, you don't really talk about it. And even with friends, you don't mm-hmm. really talk about it because mm-hmm. a lot of people just find it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But so there is this growing, and I love the fact that there's an app it's and amazing. actually you're saying there are multiple, multiple although apps, my favorite yeah. fact is that when apple launched their health services they didn't include a way to track your period at first because they were like oh people need that and just didn't launch it <laughs> yep yeah Thanks they didn't have any women on that no decision making <laughs> yeah so like the whole like it you know using um technology for periods is a whole sector that's like booming right now um you know looking at it from a fertility perspective just looking at it from a tracking your period and tracking your moods and then also addressing you know disorders menstrual disorders like endometriosis or like um like severe pms or like depressive pms and so that people are able to like say okay this week i might be like need to do like a half day at work for the next week Mm -hmm. because i just can't function at optimum during this time and the fact that you can do that and you can plan that out Mm -hmm. can drastically change people's menstrual experiences and to have a community where people are like yeah your experiences are legitimate I feel the same way too can be so encouraging it's like wow so I'm not insane like this is normal (laughs) like yeah what I'm feeling is an actual thing yeah Definitely. Can we explain endometriosis? I, oh, I, I was oh, able to okay. say it. I haven't drunk the whole glass of gin yet. Can we explain it? Yes, we can. Um, so it is a really painful um, menstrual disorder. And essentially, it's the the tissue that usually would line the uterus, like right before your period. So what you shed during your period starts to grow outside of your uterus. 
So you grow it like it can be anywhere in your body. You can grow it outside of the uterus. You can grow it in your lungs, like just different parts of your body. But usually it's around the uterine area, just outside Mm -hmm. of it. And it can be and that's what causes the really like aggressive pain and can sometimes cause like really irregular, really long, really short periods Mm because the blood it's coming from different areas. So for a long time, people would talk about this really severe, debilitating pain, but doctors Mm -hmm. couldn't figure out what was going on because it's not, it doesn't, they know signs, like everything is symptomatic. It's what someone feels. Um, And you have to go through like, I guess, MRIs and sometimes uh, biopsies so that they can test where the tissue is lying for them to understand the extent of it and where it is. Um, and so for a lot, I think a lot of people who suffer with endo talk about it being like an invisible, um, mm-hmm. almost disability because it can affect their lives so much. Mm. Um, well, I remember a yeah. girl at school who was bedridden every, mm. every month with pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the attitude was just, oh, well, she's obviously being quite dramatic about it. We all exactly. go through it, you know, exactly. it's not bad for me. So why should it be bad for her? Um, and uh, I remember um, the doctors basically saying, oh, we'll, we'll put you on the pill from a very early age that was a big like go-to for a while for everything yeah yeah go on the pill it'll solve everything yeah like oh i have cramps go on the pill oh my period is like heavy go on the pill wow and then when it doesn't solve it we just change the pill we just keep changing for different types of pill to find the one and we might be on the one that's more likely to give you blood clots but you'll be fine yeah Yeah. like what (laughs) yeah oh i can't understand it i do i say that as someone who is currently taking the pill and did start taking the pill because i had irregular cycles and Mm. it was really you know solved that issue because it got regular and i i'm not tempted to come off the pill but i'm aware there are so many issues with it and it is not something that can just be prescribed to fix any issue that might relate to somebody's vagina or uterus but it does seem to be it's easier to prescribe than to have a conversation yeah Yes. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Like, let's just a quick fix. Honestly, like yeah. the medical field is only now, you know, being more intentional about looking into these things. Um, but it's difficult mm-hmm. as well, because there's not a lot of funding that goes to this type of research, because it's not killing people, right? And like, yeah. it's not like there's a drug that could be sold to alleviate the issue. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to invest in. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you know, more than half of the world's population are women and yep. one in five, I think is the stats will suffer from endometriosis or some other menstrual mm-hmm. disorder. So I feel like, well, aren't you here to serve the people? We are the yeah. people <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> help us. <laughs> like, we are the majority here. So true. Do something. Yeah, And then we have this, I think, conversations I've started hearing recently as well about period poverty and the mm-hmm. idea of periods affecting people very differently depending on their yeah. situations and yeah. period poverty, which is great to see it being talked about, but also I still don't think a lot of the conversations, I don't know quite a lot of stuff around that. I don't know fully what they're talking about a lot of the time because I'm really fortunate to not be in that situation. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think period poverty is something that sort of gained traction over the last 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still feel like even now we're on this sort of like menstrual wave, like it is, if you're going to go into 
uh, period advocacy or activism or anything, now is the time because people are like paying attention and willing to do something about it. Well, um, we've only just stopped the period tax. Now that has gone through yes, now. That has yes, gone through now. Yes, yeah. yes. And that had been campaigning for years and years and years, and just seemed completely bonkers that you have to pay a tax on something that you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was considered a luxury item. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, it's so what? luxurious having a period. It's really luxurious. It's like yeah. a spa day every month. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and I think Zimbabwe also last year also took off the tax yeah. um mm-hmm. and i think the next step is like taking the tax off the materials it takes to make menstrual products because yeah. that also impacts the price of these things yeah. um and then obviously you know the, the the pinnacle or like you know what we all aim to do is what you i think new zealand has done and i think scotland has done yes. um which mm-hmm. is just making mandating it legally that peer products should be available in all public institutions so in yeah. schools, you know, in mm-hmm. public offices, like they just should be available. Yeah. Um, and that's something that is yeah. so important. So I remember being in school and, you know, junior right the way through high school, people starting their periods and not having stuff. People yeah. coming on unexpectedly and having to go yes. around your entire class going, has anyone got pads? Anyone yeah. got anything? Yeah. Yeah. And that just being the worst because you were trying to do it without the boys hearing. Yeah. Well, we did that in the summer, didn't we? Yeah. And, I, you know, I think that's the benefit with age is that you stop caring. So I was quite happy to be the one running around going, has anyone got anything yeah, for a period? Yeah. Whilst, something. you know, the young teenagers dying in a corner <laughs> no, of, yeah, of shame. Yeah. But it's like, fine, fine, I'll go and find it. it. I'll go and Own find it. it. Yeah, as you grow older, your voice grows louder when you're asking, yes. about, when you're asking about that. You're just like, yeah. as in, does anyone, because I know we've all been there, guys. Does and anybody do you know what it? was so lovely? <laughs> what was so lovely about that was that the person that then gave me something mm. was somebody who had stopped periods, was yeah. menopausal like me, but carried them because she's a, a rambler and she carries them just in case anyone else oh, around her needs something. So and I was like, oh my God, I love you. I love you. Even, even as a cup user, I always make sure I have something in my bag because nine times out of ten, if you're out with your mates and it happens unexpectedly, nobody's got something. And as the mum friend, I've got to be, I've got to have the mum stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just feel like, you know, they should be a dispenser for these things. Yes, you know, and a free just, dispenser. Not yeah, when you have to put a yeah, quid in. no, a free dispenser for these things, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And definitely having them in schools. Yeah, and definitely in schools. I was going to say about period poverty that, like, you know, I think it brought home that like your economic situation can really affect how you experience periods. So mm-hmm. if you come from a low income household, it's number you know, 5,900 on the list of priorities for how yeah. the household income will be spent. Not because yeah. it's, it's not important, but if you think about, you know, maybe you have a, a mom and dad um, and particularly for our region, um, it will most likely be the dad that is making the bulk of the household income. And so it's yeah. not even a thought in that individual's mind that mm. my menstruating daughter needs to buy pads every month. Yeah. And then because it's such a secretive thing, you're not coming to whoever holds the money and saying, I need money for pads yeah. or for a cup yeah. or tampons. You're not saying that. And so yeah. you sort of suffer in silence. And then yeah. there are homeless women who, are mm-hmm. on top of not having the money for the products, they don't have anywhere to, to manage it. Like, you know, they yeah. don't have a, a bathroom, they don't have water. 
Um, and for those who maybe do have a house that they live in, there are structures where your toilet is really far from where mm-hmm. your dwelling is. And so, you know, that sort of change in the middle of the night is yeah. a danger because you have to walk in the dark to get to a toilet where you can do that. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. so many things. Um, and I remember really getting into it when I tried free bleeding. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I did that. So free bleeding is basically where you don't use anything during your period and mm-hmm. you just let it flow. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. just let it go. And uh, I remember talking to my friends about it and they were like, we totally get that you are a period advocate, but why? <laughs> <laughs> like, we, like we support you and we love the work that you do but this this is too much <laughs> but there were moments where like oh if my dad see you he's just gonna be so uncomfortable like when yeah. I say the word vagina he's really like Ugh! and then he leaves the room and, and I do and I say the word a lot so <laughs> how much trauma can a man take um, <laughs> So, so I was worried about that. But when I was reflecting on it, I was like, why was I worried about that? Like, I mm. could have taken that as an opportunity to talk more about it and be like, mm-hmm. you know, have that discussion. But all that to say, like, some things are well ingrained in you from a young age, and it's yeah. going to take a lot of yeah. unlearning as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when my friends did ask me why I was doing it, it was because, you know, being able to free bleed by choice is a privilege. But I think it highlights what a lot of women go through because they don't have the products at their disposal. And if it makes you uncomfortable to see someone like, you know, with a stream of blood down their leg, then you really should be part of the movement that's, you know, saying period poverty shouldn't be a thing. Like regardless of your status or where you live, you should be able to get the products that allow you to manage your period with dignity and safety. And if it makes you uncomfortable to see menstrual blood, then you should be advocating for that as well. Yeah. 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 So for me, that was like the biggest thing. It was like, I, I mean, as much as it is for other people an experience to get in touch with your body, which it is, um, mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me was if it's making you uncomfortable, then no one should have to go through this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that because there is that feeling that the the discomfort is because it is the menstruating person's fault. Uh, you know, right. it is your yeah. fault that you menstruate I'm and you so make sorry. a mess and you, you know, complain. my favorite time. I only free bleed at one point. It's my favorite thing. Every period I do it. So I take my cup out and I get in the shower and as the blood runs down my leg in the shower, I imagine I'm in like a YA novel and I've just like <laughs> murdered somebody and like, this is my moment. And it makes me feel so good every period because it's normally on my crampy day Yeah, I'm in a mood and I'm like, fine, I'm going to stand in the shower and I'm just going to bleed <laughs> for a bleed. minute. And it makes me feel better and it makes me feel good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about it. And I think, and I think there is that, it is something that happens. It just yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, cannot stop it <laughs> and so being made to feel ashamed about it yeah. or being uh made to feel uncomfortable about any aspect of it mm-hmm. um is something i think we've all lived through yeah. in certain degrees but yeah. actually really should change yeah 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 i think that's crazy though that if we you know um we look we ask a 20 year old now 30 40 50 60 70 80 they all have negative experiences of menstruation. And most people mm-hmm. I've asked about their first period, their that experience was not a positive one. 
So I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when you do something like drastic or you go through something extreme, so maybe you travel um, Mm -hmm. somewhere or I, so this is a really extreme example, but um, an article of like some Zimbabwean women who um, were arrested and literally started their period like the day they were entered in the jail, right? Like just like, just like how anxiety can like inform your body and mm-hmm. it's happened to me where I'll get on a plane and then just suddenly start my period. And it's like, hello, yeah. as in this is at three weeks early. But it's just <laughs> your body responding to yeah. like something different. Um, so with COVID, um, especially in the way COVID has been so up and down. Um, mm-hmm. So you go through, you know, flow, ebbs and flows of things are getting better. Then there's a spike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then maybe someone loses their job then maybe there's, mm. you know, stress around a certain aspect about resources or income or whatever. And all of those things your body is having to deal with and your hormones are yeah. fluctuating up and down. And people who have had a, you know, reliably regular period suddenly are having three days here, five days here. Um, yeah. Because your body is, your period is informed by your hormones and your hormones yeah. are responsive in some, in some regard. They have a, a system that they work by, but, you know, they also respond to the environment. And so I've, we've definitely seen this, like, you know, erratic period structure happening with a lot of people. Um, and then period poverty obviously being exacerbated, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people are out of work um, or their work, uh, their stream of income is not as regular as it was. And so... Mm. Your limited resources are even more so limited. Um, and if your period was priority number 10, mm. it's probably 15 or 20 right now. Mm. Um, but one interesting thing that we've seen in the work that we've been doing is that a lot more women are using family pan- planning to manage their periods. Oh, so, really? Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, I think it's interesting. It's also very um, I think it's empowering as long as, you know, these changes are being made out of choice. I mean, mm. not choice, because I don't think uh, some people wouldn't have stopped their period if they didn't have to. But knowing that they, mm. that was an option to them, like using family planning to manage how their period is now working. So people going on long term family planning so that they don't have to buy period products. So tell me in terms of going, when you talk about family planning, my mind starts thinking about you're just, it's talking about family planning. You're actually talking about a medical intervention. Yes. So I'm talking about women who will go on the pill, but they just won't do the, so. um, The break in between. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, And I think there needs to be understanding that when you are on the pill and you do take the placebo for that week, what you're yeah. experiencing is not an actual period, right? Like when yeah. I said that to my friends, they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it's not. I bleed, <laughs> it's period. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you accustom bleeding to, you know, a period, but mm-hmm. the bleed that's happening is not you shedding your uterine lining. It is mm-hmm. just something for you to feel like, okay, technically there's a, leaving of blood for my system and I feel normal about it but it's different from a regular period and as long as you know that I think that's that's cool so you know that that's what it is um and as long as you know how different forms of family planning can affect you in different ways Mm -hmm. 
there's nothing wrong with you managing your period by using a family planning method, using contraception rather. Mm-hmm. So if you decide to get a hormonal IUD, you decide to get an implant, you decide to use the pill consistently, that's all mm-hmm. fine as long as it's an informed decision. And mm-hmm. what we found in our communities is because of the exacerbated need for product and then just feeling like, you know, sometimes because of, because in Zimbabwe we had travel restrictions and stuff like that. Yeah. So you couldn't actually get to a place where you could buy period products at times. We found that once the streams of transport were open, a lot of women were like, okay, give me something for at least for like the next year so that I don't need to worry yeah. about my period. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's mm-hmm. no longer a burden. And, and a couple, yeah. uh, quite a few women use the word burden, that it's no longer a burden on my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that informed choice is really interesting because for for me, informed choice was, are you going to use pads or are you going to use a tampon? Mm-hmm. That was it mm-hmm. when I started. Mm-hmm. That was all the choice. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there there were plenty of other things, but that was that was standard. That's yeah. what you can buy in the supermarket. That is what is accessible. And they're your two choices. And I think it was the same with contraception in school was you were told there are two things. There are condoms and the pill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you're on the pill, you should use condoms because of, you know, STDs and everything. And that was it. Yeah. Informed choice, I think, is like mm-hmm. the most important thing, like just people knowing what's available to them, then being able to choose what works best for them. And then in choosing that, being able to access that, whether it's, you know, through distribution, but also things should be affordable enough for people to get what they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes people, um, you know, particularly around like something like contraception. So I know, so many cases of people who went on the copper tea, which is an IUD. Yeah. And they weren't told about how you can have heavy bleeding for a few months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or how you can ex- maybe experience um, increased pain for a few months before things yeah. regulate. And yeah. because they weren't told about it, they weren't prepared for it. And so yeah. that experience becomes super negative and they get it taken out and then they're just like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing an IUD ever again but had you let them know they could have prepared for it right yeah and so that's important like if you know what's coming with what you've chosen you already make an informed decision when you choose what you want to use and then something that is like uncomfortable but you're prepared for it is no longer traumatic yeah Right. And because that person who wasn't told and had this horrible experience is going to tell everybody else that they yeah. know that yeah. don't take the copper tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it could have yeah. worked really well from them if they had known that, you know, this yeah. is what comes with it. And again, it's that informed choice, isn't yeah. it? And that if you know all of those things, then you can make those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder whether a lot of it is because uh, the decisions are made by others, like mm-hmm. going to a doctor with pain exactly. and being told, well, we'll put you on, on the pill. Yeah. And there's no personal informed choice. It's allowing somebody right. else to make those decisions. To make the choice for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... Those are one of, that's a big reason why I started the bleed read is just like, not everyone's going to read an academic paper 
or a journal or whatever. I won't read an academic paper. I won't <laughs> but, lie. I don't understand half of them. <laughs> but if I, you know, if I have a Instagram page or a Twitter or a blog that, you know, talks about these things in very simple terms, that's a way to get information out to the everyday person. Um, but I also think, and and that's really important, so that you as an individual can go to your provider and say, hey, um, I know you said this, but I'm thinking this. Not like you are becoming a doctor, but you have yeah. a greater understanding of what you're asking uh, your doctor for. You're not yeah. a doctor in any regard, yeah. but at least you can say, I've you know done some reading and I have an mm. understanding. And you're not just going and understand to take what questions things. to ask as well. Exactly. Not even just saying, you know, oh, I've read this. Just saying, okay, this is the question I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really important. And then for doctors, I think there's a sort of a, a gap. Like I said, a lot of doctors haven't invested a lot of time into like menstrual health and yeah. understanding that for women. I think that's changing over time. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, because it's just become more topical. But yeah, yeah, just um continuing to advocate for providers to be more informed and to have the capacity to answer um or maybe not answer, but ask questions with when yeah. they're engaging with women. So I think sometimes you're not gonna go to a doctor because you're in pain, but yeah. sometimes a doctor should be able to ask, hey, like how painful is your pain? And for yeah for you to say it's pretty painful and for them to say okay maybe let's do an ultrasound maybe let's check this yeah. out because a lot of a lot of things could be mitigated if there's an early response mm-hmm. um and yeah i just think you know the bleed reader is really about curating a virtual platform for anybody who supports contributes or cares about menstrual health and women's health mm-hmm. um and it's a safe space for people to share their experiences and their stories. Um, yeah. And the biggest thing around that is around representation. Because when I was looking mm. at, um, you know, animations of periods or period products, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. Yeah. yeah. So it was just, yeah, making representative art and um, making mm. information accessible to the everyday person. Um, yeah. And that's really what it's about. And like I said, you start talking about periods and people start engaging you about different aspects of reproductive health, which Mm -hmm. sort of speaks to the fact that menstruation is a key part of sexual and reproductive health. Like you can't talk about sex. You can't talk about, uh, you know, pregnancy or whatever without starting the conversation around periods. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite comprehensive, but it's very much informed by what people say that they need to know more about. One thing I'd love to know about as well is, um, Obviously, there are people out there who have periods who don't identify as women and mm-hmm. therefore there's body dysmorphia and stuff that comes along with that as well. Is that something you talk about on the Blue Breed and sort of get asked about? Because I can imagine it's becoming, now we're speaking about trans issues more and stuff like that, it's becoming more prominent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been sort of called out quite a bit for saying people who menstruate as opposed yeah. to girls and young women. And yeah. it's like, because not everyone who menstruates <laughs> is a woman. Yeah. Um. And I, I think the bleed read stands strongly by that because we're not trying to address people who identify as women. We are trying yeah. to address the needs of people who menstruate. And yeah. true to what I've just said, not everyone who <laughs> menstruates identifies as female. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, I think, so yeah, we do address it. Um, I think we want to get a little bit more into being representative in the information we give. So maybe yeah. having an article on what is it, what is it like to be someone who menstruates but doesn't identify as female, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in terms of how do they access services, um, how mm-hmm. do they manage their menstruation in public spaces versus private spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but another key thing that I thought was really important is the life cycle of menstruation, right? Yes. We, we talk a lot about menarche, but we don't talk enough about menopause. And I just feel like there's not enough information, <laughs> support, representation, chat mm-hmm. about that. And that's something yeah. that we also want to address because it is a life cycle. There's a mm-hmm. it, like all of that needs to be addressed and all of it needs support and all of it needs representation. And just also just like seeing that people in other parts of the world um, or mm-hmm. even within your immediate community are going yeah. through something similar. I do mm-hmm. think that it just, it makes you feel better um, because yeah. I just think people were experiencing things in isolation mm-hmm. and knowing that you are not alone or knowing that your experience is something that another person can relate to can be really helpful in helping you sort of mm-hmm. go through things with and celebrate things, right? Sometimes it can be a really positive experience around your period. And you're like, am I weird for like wanting to talk about this? And it's like, no, here's another person who said exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that can be really encouraging. Community mm-hmm. is essential. Representation is essential. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful place. For that's us. a good <laughs> mic drop, goosebumps, the and works. Yep. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. It's been brilliant. It's been amazing. I've learned a lot and enjoyed talking about it all. I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you both. It's been so, so great. I've gone down to the real sludgy bits. It's pure cucumber (laughs) juice. You know, I've kept it down to one glass. I'm happy with that. And I actually enjoyed the gin, which is uh, unusual. Yay! Nice. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Good conversation makes good gin drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at you go. Put that on a (laughs) T-shirt. Maybe you should. That was that awesome. Was so good. Isn't it great just to have the excuse yeah. and the opportunity yeah. to go, we will talk yeah. for all of that time just on periods. Yeah. And I think also something about having the chance to just discuss it in terms of emotional and medical and how it all fits together and societal and just cover it all because it is all interlinked and it's super important. Okay. What have we learned? I feel like you have learned so much that your sieve-like brain is going to struggle. I have because I'm <laughs> yeah. a little bit older than you. Yeah, it's true. It is and true. So my period youth mm. never talked about periods. So I yeah. have a whole section of my life of not learning anything about periods and of course I've stopped them now so I've learned a ton yeah I've learned a ton but mainly that I'm going to go follow the bleed read because I'm really excited about having that on my timeline (laughs) and I'm really interested to Mm -hmm. keep following other people's experiences of it yeah and for somebody who's stopped having a period Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to 
be as we've done this, yeah. being able to go, oh yeah, I yeah, remember yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yes. It was really interesting to learn more about the science behind endometriosis because I yes. knew about it, but I didn't necessarily know that the tissue could learn, like go everywhere and that then you were still trying to get rid of that tissue. Yeah. And God, I always knew it was painful, but now I'm really like, oh. Um, and also really interesting to learn about how everyone's cycle can be so different, but so similar in so many ways. And the importance then of tracking it. Yeah. Because... I mean, that cycles, I mean, I always learned that there was that fixed, not fixed, but there was that the, window the, time yeah. of cycles and it's completely The 28 rubbish. day, 14 day ovulation, whatever the fuck they told us. Seven and, day, you know, three to seven day bleeds. And actually, therefore, tracking how things go on for you, not just and not the just, bleeding, yeah, yeah. but the feeling, Everything the else. strength, the everything the that stress. goes with it. I always know that the day before I'm going to be more anxious than any other time. I firmly believe everybody hates me the day before my period and that everything I've done is And if you know that, you're, you can spend the whole day going, oh, yeah, You'd think that. so. Well, I you try. Could. You could. <laughs> you could. I can't. <laughs> I end up standing in the kitchen going, I'm just, I'm going to FaceTime Sarah quickly. And I'm like, hi, I'm fine. <laughs> Just wanted to chat. <laughs> and that's the other thing I learned is that we all need to be stronger to say, yeah. I'm not fine. Yeah. I hurt. Because I won't. Most of the time I'll just go, oh, I'm all right. I just let badly. Because I we don't... don't want to, that discomfort for other people. Yeah, yeah. And it's and not that's the thing, something I'm really that's mine. I'm more than happy to talk about them with people I know are comfortable with them. I think partly because I've grown up in a place where I can. But... I'm very aware that not everyone wants to hear it. Yeah. But the more we talk about it, the, the more better. we can gain that respect that it is yeah. actually something that happens. It can be deep, de- can't even say the word, debilitating. Debilitating. Did I do it? You did. I it. did. Yeah. Good. Um, and it can stop your productivity. But actually, if you're able to change your work environment, yeah. you can actually do a good job. Yeah. Um, but it requires all those conversations. Mm-hmm. I've learned that I don't want to free bleed. I'm really pleased it can be a positive experience to some people. And I'm definitely in agreement that we need to make free bleeding something that women choose to do rather Absolutely. than have to do. I do not want to choose to do it apart from in my shower. Yeah. And that's the other thing that learning that the choice and yeah. informed choice is so important. Uh, is so so important and we should all be campaigning for everybody to, to end period poverty from choice yep. yeah yep. and not just ending period poverty but also ending the cultural shaming of yep. periods mm-hmm. um and that access to yep. advice and support not just the monetary values yep. of that so that's uh, so so much so and now i'm gonna go and empty my moon cup you're welcome <laughs> on, that <note. laughs> on that note oh wait gin it was oh, good oh gin, it was good it actually it went down very smoothly so i know you're holding it up holding it up to listeners to show that there's Basically, very little in the bottom of the glass I, i've got down to the last mouthful the last mouthful is the healthy cucumber juice there's not much gin in it so i'm not drinking the last mouthful i'm would make it again with differently mint. with mint Mm-hmm. Um and taking a bit more care and leaving and a little less mess <laughs> and much more ice like and I think I would like that on a really hot day mm-hmm. and now I'm going to go and empty my cup excellent enjoy <laughs> 
you enjoyed this episode listen to more we've got tons got loads and if you like them really really like them you could always leave us a review because apparently they're quite helpful you can also subscribe you can and then you don't even need to go and find us we just appear every single week yeah we are on twitter at topic gin and on instagram topic gin (laughs) join us next week for another gin and another topic